0: what's going on everyone welcome back to another episode of the pursuit of sports podcast with your host reese hughes uh this is episode two and i'd like to start off by apologizing really really quickly uh just for you know this episode was supposed to be out last tuesday however I wanted to wait until the NFL trade deadline was over to see if there were anything anything crazy that was going to happen. And then Wednesday came around and I was like, okay, we're going to do it today. And something personal happened and I was able to record the episode uh that day. However, we are here on Thursday, and we are finally able to record this. So, I'd like to start off with just going uh, through the NFL. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to save the NFL for later. What we're going to talk about first is the James Harden trade. So, this went down Monday at like 3 in the morning. So, or was it, it was either Monday or Tuesday, it was it was at like two or three in the morning. So Woj tweeted that the Clippers um traded James Harden to the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh so the Clippers got back Harden, PJ Tucker, Philip, and Philip Petrus Petrusev, who I believe just got traded to the Kings yesterday for cash. I believe it was the Kings. Let me verify that. It was, in fact, the Kings, yes. And the 76ers got back a unprotected 20, an unprotected 2028 20, Clippers first-round pick, a protected 2026 20, first-round pick, a 2029 20, first-round pick swap, and two second-round picks in 2024 and 2029. 20, and then the 76ers got back Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, and Marcus Morris. The Thunder somehow managed to jump into this because they always, once once Sam Presti hears about a first-round pick, he's going to make sure he gets in that deal. But the Thunder are receiving a 2027 pick swap with the Clippers in exchange for the 2026 Clippers. They own pick pick that they already previously had being sent to the 76ers. So, yeah, um, what I would like to do just to get my quick little thoughts on this trade. Um Harden going to the Clippers is actually quite interesting. Uh last year he averaged about what? 21 and 11 assists, leading the league in assists, I believe. And you know, he's 34. Next year he'll be 35. He's also in a contract year and he's going to want a max contract from the Clippers. So uh let's see. So I mean, for the Seventy Sixers, this is, you know, getting hardened off the books when you know he didn't want to get, be there. That's good for them, but uh, the Clippers, I feel like, this is what year four or five of the Kawhi and Paul George thing, and they made their com- they made the conference finals, their first ever conference finals, two years ago. Uh, I mean, they haven't really—they see- haven't been close to being back since. But I feel like they made this deal because, I mean, if you look around and if you were keeping up with the hardened trade stuff, the Clippers pretty much were the only team that was interested in them, you know. So there was, like, not another team that the Clippers were bidding against at this point. They were bidding against them- themselves. So I feel like why they pulled this off was because they saw their championship window closing, you know, like i said year four or five of the paul george and Kawhi leonard experiment and you know you made the conference finals 2021 without Kawhi, who was hurt and now and then the next year i believe they lost in the first round or they lose in the play-in or the first round i literally can't remember i know they played the timberwolves didn't i think they lost yeah, they lost because the Timberwolves played the Grizzlies in the first round. I do remember that. I do remember them losing. And then Paul George got COVID, and then they lost. Or I might be, that might be backwards. I do remember them losing in the play in, though. And last year, they lost to the Suns in the first round. So, I mean, they haven't been close to being back since. So, I mean, I guess they felt like, okay, we're going to throw all our chips on the table for. Forget about these first-round picks. Forget about our entire future because who knows what our future is going to look like four or five years from now. I mean, that first-round pick could probably be like the second or th- the first, second, third pick or hell, a top-ten pick because by that time, Kawhi will probably be gone, Russell will be gone, Paul George will be gone, and, of course, Harden will be gone. I don't think these guys are going to be on this team for that much longer. I mean, I know they're all talking about signing extensions, but I don't think they'll be on the Clippers by then. And if they are, they won't be. Good. I mean, if you watch the Clippers this season, I mean, Kawhi, he still looks good, yes, but you can tell that he's definitely lost a step from where he was even two years ago. And, I mean, Paul George, you can tell he has as well lost a step from where he was two years ago. However, last night he did put up 35. Uh, not 35. He put up 30. It might have been 35, but, uh, yeah, it exactly was 35. I thought I was tripping. Yeah. Uh, he put up 35, so maybe maybe he's still getting Kawhi put up 38. So, I mean, they could still score, but you can definitely tell that they're not as scoring as g- – how do I want to phrase this? They're not as scoring like they used to. They're still scores, don't get me wrong, but Kawhi's defense is definitely not the defense that he had when he f- was first on the Clippers or when he was even on the Raptors. So, that's the point I'm trying to make it. But another reason why the, I can see the Clippers doing this is, let's see, what did I put in my notes here? I'm sorry for being so unorganized. So another thing would be injury concerns. So yeah, so Paul, Paul George and Kawhi have had huge injury history, their entire stint with the Clippers. I mean, one of them's either playing or the other's not playing or both of them are not playing. They, sometimes they play at the same time, but one of them will usually goes down with an injury. So now having Harden, that gives them another guy to rely on. But I mean, even Harden has his little injury history. So, I mean, imagine the Clippers have a lineup where it's just Russ, Terrence Mann, Zubach, and Bones Highland. And I don't even know who their other power forward would be at this point because Batum's gone. So who knows? Who knows? The Clippers definitely want to compete this season though. Um but I mean, looking at their team now, I don't think they'll beat the Nuggets. I don't think they'll beat the Suns. I mean, I'm not even sure if they'll beat the Lakers. I mean, maybe maybe with Harden they'll beat the Lakers, but last night when they played them, I don't The Lakers definitely should have beat them by a lot more. But we'll see. Uh it's very interesting deal. Uh, for the Seventy Sixers side, oh man, I would say this is just—I mean, how do you how do you fuck up a situation that bad? The Seventy Sixers were up three-two on the Celtics last year, and they definitely should have won that series. But you could argue that okay, we'll get it, we'll run it back next year. But then the Harden and Daryl Morey stuff happens because apparently Daryl Morey didn't trade him or give him a long-term contract or whatever. And, I mean, it's it's fair to ask out if you're promised something by your general manager and he doesn't deliver on that. I mean, I, I guess that's only a fair thing to ask. But this is Harden's, what, third time asking out in the past four years? Because in 2020... He gets traded to the Nets. Or was it 2021? I think it was 20... It was one of those years. Uh, And then 2021, end of that season, he's asking out from the Nets. And then now, after playing a year and a half with the Sixers, he's already asking... He's asking out again. I'm... It's just... I don't know. I like Harden as a player, but I just don't... I don't know. I feel like this... If this stuff with the Clippers doesn't work, I mean, maybe they give him a deal. And what if he asks out in like two years from now or a year from now? I I really don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I know he wanted to go back to Houston, but they didn't even want him. But who who's to say he wouldn't have asked out again? Who knows? But, you know, getting back Robert Covington, who's 33 now, I could just be lying and making up an age. But I'm sure that he's, what, in his early to mid-30s now. You know, he played for the 76ers a couple of seasons ago, was traded to the Timberwolves, you know, and now he doesn't look as good as he was when he was even on the Timberwolves or the Sixers. Uh, I think the best piece they get back from this entire trade is Nicholas Batum. Uh, just his versatility uh, on the court. I really like that. However, he's also 34 years old, so who who knows what he's going to look like. But I do think he'll be a good player for them and then Marcus Morris what do you what do you even say about? Him? I don't think Marcus Morris has been good at the game of basketball in like 3 years, but you know, you just got to roll out what you got. But I guess all these picks and you know freeing up this cap space um. We'll we'll let the Seventy Sixers either sometime this season or maybe in the off season go get somebody, uh, maybe a Pascal Siakam or I don't even know whatever the next disgruntled star is. I mean, the Seventy Sixers can be like, okay, we got all this stuff. Come, 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 come on, guys, come on. But there will be a significant amount of cap space opened. For the Sixers, for them to either make a splash in free agency or even trade for a star player. So, good for them. Good for them. Now that that is over, we're going to talk about some quick NBA thoughts after week one. And we had a fantastic, fantastic week one, you know. Uh, Saw a lot of great games. Uh, We're going to go back to opening day. Jokic just looks like the best player in the world. LeBron's 38 still moving like that last night 30 was it 38 points 35 points just unreal that he's able to do do this 20 years after starting his NBA career by the way. however, another thing I like to say about the Lakers was the team kind of looks bad once LeBron's not on the court because they I don't feel like they have another guy that can play make and set his teammates and set their teammates up the way like LeBron does. I mean D'Angelo Russell really tries. But I just don't think he's the play half the playmaker that LeBron is, and there's a lot of times where he had a good game last night. But there's been a lot of times I've seen so far this season where D'Angelo Russell just looks lost out there. Um, Torian Prince, I mean, you look that first game. Torian Prince looked really, really good, and then the next game, I think what he might have had like zero points <laughs> or four points or something like that, but. And then the next game he has 20, and then the game after that he has 4. So, I mean, you really never know what you're going to get with Torian Prince. But, I mean, the first game, he was he was good. He was good. Uh, Darvin Ham's lineups are very, very strange. I would like to say that. Like, the first game, I think they played 10 players deep. And then last night's game, they played 8 deep. Like, why are you rolling eight deep in the fifth game of the regular season? Like, yeah, you guys won, but only playing eight players is such an interesting decision. And i also like to say Cam Reddish looked pretty good on defense last night. That's, I'll say that. Cam Reddish looked good on defense. Uh, For the Nuggets so far, I've really, really liked Peyton Watson. And, you know, him coming out of UCLA – I always was going to support him because, you know, I always support my UCLA boys. I mean, Hami Hawkins has looked pretty good to start the season. He's even started a couple games. You Like, I would have, if you would have told me like seven months ago, before the draft, before anything, that Hami Hawkins is going to get drafted in the first round and start within his first couple games as a rookie, I would not have believed you. I thought, just from the way that everything seemed to be projected, I thought everybody on that UCLA team was going to be second round picks. Like, Tiger, Amari, uh, Jaime, Bona, if he would have stayed in the draft, Jalen. I thought all those guys were second-round picks. But last year, Peyton Watson gets drafted at the end of the first round. And I'm like, okay, that was you know not to be expected because in college, what, he averaged three points? And he didn't play a whole lot, but in the minutes that he did play, you could tell that, okay, if this guy stays maybe like two or three more years in college he could be, you know, like a top 10 pick type guy or a top 15 type guy. But, you know, the Thunder took him, then he was traded to the Nuggets. But, you know, he just, you know, in the minutes he did play last year, he looked pretty good. And even Paul George comes out on his podcast and says Peyton Watson's going to be a good player when he gets this opportunity. And throughout the first couple games of this season, Peyton Watson has looked so good. I mean, defensively, just steal it, just steals the blocks. I mean, right now he's averaging almost eight points, shooting 64% from the field, 36% from three, two rebounds in um, almost a block and a half. That's really good numbers for a guard. Really, really good numbers. I mean, he just has a ridiculous wingspan. I mean, I remember there was, I think it might have been the Lakers game. Or it might have been, like, the their second game. But he was blocking almost everything. Oh, like I think, yeah, I think, no, it was the Grizzlies game. He was just blocking stuff all around. It was, he's just looked really, really good uh, throughout the start of the season. Uh, now I would like to talk about the Mavericks. And I know I said in the last podcast they were not one of my teams that I was – Wanted to watch, but you know, the Mavericks look good. Derek Lively, oh my god! Now, when the Mavericks picked up or when the Mavericks drafted Lively, or did they draft Lively or trade for him? I literally can't remember. I think they traded for him in the trap. No, they did draft him, they did because they traded for Omax. That's that's what it was. But no, the Thunder drafted him and they traded him for Casey Wallace. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. I think that's what it was. Correct? Who knows? But, um, he's looked good. He's looked really good. I just, I mean, for a guy that averaged what, like five points in college, five rebounds, two two and a half blocks. You know, a lot of people didn't expect him to be like coming immediately and be productive, but. I mean, he's became the Mavericks' starting center. He's had games with multiple rebounds, multiple blocks. You know, he's in. You know, the game against the Spurs, 16 on seven for eight shooting, ten rebounds, a block, a steal, and then last night against the Bulls, he didn't play as well, but seven. You'll take seven points, 13 rebounds, six assists, a steal, and a block, and a win. You'll take that, especially in a game where Luka Doncic has what 18 points, and doesn't. You know. 20, 17 points for Grant Williams, 25, or 25 from Grant Williams, 17 from Derrick Jones Jr., who I'm, I'm not sure why is still starting NBA games, and then 24 for Tim Hardaway. Tim Hardaway's looked really good to start the season. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr., I like him as a player, but he's just very, very inconsistent. The guy could literally average 20 points if he wanted to, but... I don't know. I just feel like he relies way too much on his three-point shot, and he's a good three-point shooter. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a couple seasons ago, he was shooting, what, 39% from three, and I think last year he shot 38. He's a really good three-point shooter, especially um, when the Mavericks were making that uh, conference finals run. He was really, really good. But I feel like Tim Hardaway Jr. is one of those guys. He can average 20 points. Like, he's going to be, like, what, your fourth, third best player, but he – Maybe fifth at times, but he can go out there and get you 20 points. And if your fourth or fifth best player can get you 20 points, you'll love that every night. But, wow, Derek Lively has just been a guy. And Luka Doncic. Guys, I'm going to read you Luka Doncic's numbers right now. And tell me these don't sound like his 2K stats. 33 points right now. 51% from the the field. 42% from three. 10 rebounds, 9.8 assists, a steal, and a half a block. Luka has been playing good. And I will say, Luka Doncic's defense has looked a lot better this year. I don't – I don't – like, Luka Luka could be, you know, a decent defender. But I feel like, you know, it's just times where he feels like he has to carry the offensive load. It's just like – okay, you know, I I don't have to try as much on defense. Because a lot of it with Luca, he has, like, the intangibles to be a really good defender. And I feel like a lot of it is just effort. But, you know, right now his defensive rating is a 1.8 through four games. And for reference, Drew Holiday's defensive rating is a 106. I say 1.8. I meant to say 108. But his defensive rating is a 106. So, if he's a little less worse than Drew Holiday on defense right now, you'll take that. Luca, like, he's just so good on – or just so good in general. But, I mean, just the way he gets his points. Like, you never know what he's going to do. Just the way he – I'm just going to spend 15 minutes talking about how much I love Luca Doncic and I don't want to do that right now. So next, we'll talk about another player that I've really loved to start off the season. That's Victor Wembanyama in the Spurs. Uh, I mean, I haven't loved what the Spurs have been doing because they don't really have a point guard. And I feel like if they had a point guard, uh, Wimby would probably be averaging 25 right now. Just having a guy that can set him up and help him, you know, run, a, run the pick and roll with. He doesn't really have that right now. I believe they have J- uh, Jeremy Sohan playing point guard. But, I mean, his debut game, 19 points. Right? Or was it 20? Oh, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong game. 15 points on 6 for 9 shooting. 3 for 5 from 3. A block. 5 rebounds. And a, 2 assists and 2 steals. And then last night against the Suns. Not last night. Halloween against the Suns. 18. 8 rebounds. 4 blocks. Just looking like... I, just, I mean... We don't talk about the Clippers game. But... One thing I've noticed with Wimby so far is he's having a lot of trouble not fouling. And, of course, that that will come as he gets better and progresses further into his NBA career because he has Greg Popovich as a coach, so Pop will definitely help him with that. But, I mean, just to be coached by Popovich, I just I just really, really like where his career is headed. And, you know, I think he, if he would have been taken anywhere else, he would have still been good. But... Once the Spurs get a real point guard, this team will look so, so much better. Um, I want to talk about my Pacers really quick, even though they lost by fifty last night. Um, they look good to start of the season. They're two and two right now. But last night we didn't have Tyrese, so we'll excuse it. I mean, still lost by fifty, but we'll excuse it. No Tyrese. But a Dominating win over the Wizards. Another good win over the Cavs. Lost to the Bulls, which was a eh game, you know. Alex Caruso is just really, really good. He's just really, really good. But Tyrese has looked good to start off the year. Miles Turner's look good to start off the year. Matherin's had some good games. Um, Obi's kind of been disappointing. Like, he's good. Don't get me wrong. Obi Toppin's been good. But, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, I'll be talking to the guy that can go out here and get you 15, 18 points. And right now I think he's averaging like eight. Maybe it'll come later in the season, but I would like to see more Jairus Walker. That's just me. I think the guy has the potential to be, you know, him and Miles Turner in that front court will be unstoppable, defensively, that is. Um, Bruce Browns looked good. Last night he didn't have the best game, but the first game I believe he had 20, like 24, I believe and then but next couple of games he hasn't really done as much but he's looked pretty good um but i think late, uh it'll come it'll come to him you know new team he'll start off a little bit slower but i think by mid season he'll be he'll be fine uh also the in season tournament starts tomorrow and i'm kind of excited for that guys i will not lie uh, tomorrow we have Pacers and Cavs, Bucks and Knicks, Heat and Wizards, Thunder, Warriors, Bulls, Nets, and Trailblazers, Grizzlies, and Nuggets, Mavs. So you know, I believe they're doing it every Friday, and I don't. You know My biggest worry is will the players care? That's the biggest concern I have. Will the players care? And if they do care, then it should be fun to watch. But if I mean you're watching the first or second in-season tournament game, LeBron James is sitting, then, I mean, what what are we doing here, guys? But I'm very excited to see Nuggets, Mavs. That should be a good one. None of these other games – I mean, Bucks and Knicks should be good, I think. Pacers and Cavs will be good. But, you know, the in-season tournament is starting tomorrow, and we're going to see how that goes. Uh – the Bucks have started off pretty slow. I mean, Dame has had some some okay games, some bad games. Like last night's last loss, loss to the Raptors. Malik Beasley took more shots than Damian Lillard, and I'm not sure how I like how I feel. That's just If you're if Malik if you're letting Malik Beasley take more shots than Damian Lillard, then you need to reconsider your offense. But the Raptors just dominated the Bucks the entire night. I mean, Scotty Barnes I know I said the Raptors weren't going to be, be a team to watch, and I think they're last in offensive rating in the entire league right now. But, I mean, they've been decent. I mean, last night, Pascal gives you 26. OG gives you 16. Jakob Pertl gives you 14. Scotty gives you 21. Schroeder gives you 24. I mean, all around, the the Raptors have, like, a really good core. I hate to say that. I really do. But I don't know. I just feel like. Pascal and OG won't be on the team after this season. I'd be very, very surprised if they are, honestly. But yeah, those are just my thoughts after week one. I mean, there isn't like anything really. I mean, the Celtics. The Celtics look pretty good. They, like I said, I think they're probably going to end up winning the championship. And. I believe I had the Suns winning, didn't I? I'm going to switch that back to the Nuggets because I just, the Nuggets are unreal. I know they lost last night to the Timberwolves. It was a blowout, but even still, I think the Nuggets are the best team in the league. As long as they have Nikola Jokic, they're going to be fine. So now I'd like to talk about the NFL trade deadline. Really quickly, just go over my thoughts over each move. First, we're going to talk about the Giants' move, sending Leonard Williams to the Seahawks for a second, right? It was a second. So, for the Seahawks, they get Leonard Williams, who's a really good run stopper. They just signed Frank Clark. Uh, just gives them a lot more versatility up front. Uh, This season, Williams has 22 pressures, and he got six against the Jets last week, and one and a half sacks. You know, the stats, you look at the stats, he doesn't, like, stick out, but he was on an exciting contract. He was going to want, I'm sure he was going to want a lot of money. Maybe Joe Schwain didn't feel like re-signing him, and, you know, he just went, I know, I remember, I saw, I watched the video. I think it was yesterday they posted it, basically. Um, Joe Shane went up to Leonard Williams and was like, okay, we got a couple teams that want to trade for you, contenders. Where I mean, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? How do you want to do this? And they got with their agent, and he worked with them on that trade, which is actually, like, really, 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 really good. But, you know, for Seattle, if you only have Leonard Williams for the rest of this season, a playoff run, and he helps you, and maybe you re-sign him, and if you don't, then – Oh, well, you know, but the Giants got back a second round, a 2024 second round pick and then a 2025 fifth round pick. So I think that'll be good for the Giants. That just gives them an extra, extra pick to work with in this 2024 draft, which looking which is looking to be stacked in talent. I mean, you have a lot of good guys, defensive guys coming out of this draft, a lot of good offensive guys. A lot of good offensive guys coming out of this draft, so if you can use one of those picks and help bolster the team, then that'll be great. But we'll get we'll get more to the Giants later. Um, we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about the Giants after this, so that's why I'm kind of rushing through this uh, this this trade deadline stuff. So good move for the Giants. Good move for the Giants. Eagles trade for Kevin Byard. I uh, just. I mean, that, Howie Roseman just – I mean, he's probably the best GM in the league right now, honestly. Just everything he's been able to do for the Eagles the past couple seasons, he looks – he just seems like he's the best GM in the league right now. And it just feels like he's playing a Madden league on the easiest difficulty with the trade difficulty at the lowest setting, the same difficulty at the lowest setting. Bills get Rasul Douglas. I think that will help them considering Javius White's injury. Uh Kair Alam has been struggling this season, so I think that's a good move for them. Lions trade for Donovan Peoples. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Well, Marvin after Marvin Jones Jr. just stepped away from football and Jameson Jamison Williams has been struggling. I think having this guy as a third will be good for them. Uh, the Vikings trade for Josh Dobbs, which I think will be a good move for them. I mean, Dobbs will help you win a game. He isn't like these other quarterbacks in the league that have been starting that have been like, okay, we're going to lose you a game with the passes we make. Sometimes he makes bad passes, but, you know, for the most part, I think Josh Dobbs has been decent. And, I mean, they're still looking to start um, their other quarterback, Jaron Hall, I believe that's what his name is. But, you know, I think Josh Dobbs eventually – We'll hold down the fort. Uh, McCall Hardman comes and goes back to the Chiefs. That's just a good move for them. They need wide receivers. Bad. Really, really bad. Uh, the Falcons trade for Van Jefferson and Contavia Street. Van Jefferson will help them on the offensive end. I feel like they haven't had have a lot of production from the receivers, and whether that's the receivers or the quarterbacks' fault, we'll, be, we'll, we'll argue it. But getting Contavia Street after Grady Jarrett tore his ACL will be good for them um just just a guy that they can plug into that lineup and help them and then am i missing am i missing a big trade i feel like i'm missing a big trade ah there it is the bears trade for sweat montez sweat and i'm not really sure why they did this because i feel like iberfluous isn't going to be there after this season. I feel like Justin Fields may or may not be there after this season. I feel like the team's going to look a lot different after the season. So I'm not sure why you would trade for a player who's in a contract year, and you're going to have to pay him money. I mean, I mean, they're going to have a lot of cap space. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not just—I'm not really sure why they did that, especially for the pick that they gave up, and especially after a year ago. They trade for a second-round pick for fucking Chase Claypool, who's not even on the team right now. Who's not even on the team right now. So another second-round pick for Montez Sweat, I don't. I don't know. I just don't really like that because I feel like the Bears aren't competing right now. Maybe if the Bears were competing for something and they weren't, what, like two and six, then I would, okay, yeah, I can understand this. But – It just doesn't feel right to me that the Bears would do this. Great move for the Commanders, especially after they just traded Chase Young for a third-round pick. So the Commanders, you know, they get rid of Young and Sweat, you know, both, both their guys that have been really good for them on the defensive line. I mean, when they were both playing, the Commanders' defense was really, really good but i mean getting a third round pick for the 2020 defensive rookie of the year and who's been playing pretty really pretty good this season that just feels strange i feel like they maybe could have gotten a first or a second but you know maybe maybe that was the best offer they had but man the 49ers with Bosa on one side Randy Gregory then Chase Young on one side i mean goodness and also Javon Hargraves on that line. I mean, the 49ers, they've been struggling the past couple weeks. Um, you know, we you know, we don't they don't really have a secondary, but you know, if their guys up front can just go and get a get pressure or get a sack, putting less, you know, pressure on their secondary guys, then, you know, the 49ers will be happy with that. So, for the last portion of this podcast, I'm going to talk about the Giants, and this is really this is a conversation I didn't think I would I would have to have. I really didn't, but it just it's just something that we're going to have to do. So, first game of the season, a f- whew, forty to zero loss to the Cowboys. Let me let me repeat that. 40 to 0 loss to the Cowboys at home right now. The Giants do the first like month of the season. The Giants were losing at home 64 to 3. They had put up three points at their own stadium. Now, how many have they put up since then? 17. <laughs> the offense just looks bad. The offense looks horrible horrible and a lot of people are going to put this on Daniel Jones who right now has two touchdowns to six interceptions but I don't think that that's not not necessarily his fault you know uh one of the biggest signings that was hyped up this offseason was Paris Campbell who throughout this season hasn't done a damn thing has not done a damn thing he has 85 yards on 16 receptions, and he hasn't played since the Dolphins game. So, it's, it's over for him. It's over for him. I can say that. Um, but Jalen Hyatt is a guy that's looked pretty good. Saquon's looked good when he plays, but now we have an injury to Darren Waller, who's out with a hamstring injury. And, I mean, that's the gamble you're going to get with trading for Darren Waller, a guy who's top five at his position when healthy, but every other – would has this uh, chance of being hurt every other week. And that's not a knock on him because Darren Waller is a damn talented player. And I know if it was up to him, he would he wants to play. I mean, if you watch the video, the interview that just came out when they announced his injury, he wants to play. He's sad he can't play. He's mad he can't play. But Darius Slayton's looked fine. Isaiah Hodgins, you know, looked good last year, but hasn't, you know, been the player that he was towards the end of last season. Uh, but. You don't really have much production from your wide receivers. I mean. Isaiah Hodgins right now is at what? 100 yards. 120 yards on 12 receptions and a touchdown. I mean. Uh, what Wandale Robinson came back recently. He's looked pretty good. He's looked pretty good. Um. Uh, he was – he's – you know, Wondell's a guy, I think, him, Jalen Hyatt, and maybe if he if he gets his production up, just maybe Isaiah Hodgins – or sorry, Slayton can be the, the three for this team. Slayton has 257 on 19 receptions right now. You know, Slayton and Daniel Jones have always had a really good connection with each other. Uh, I think they – I think they were rookies the same year, so they probably have spent a lot of, a lot of time together. You know, and Slayton has a lot of, had a lot of inconsistent moments in his career, but, you know, there's been times where he's been good, and there's times when he's been bad. So, quickly going through the Giants' schedule, you know, 40-0 loss to the Cowboys, a win against the Cardinals that should have been a loss. should not It should not have been a win, you know, the Cardinals just completely gave that game up. Um... The 49ers lost 30 to 12. However, I I do feel like the team played decent that game. 24 to 3 loss to the Seahawks at MetLife. It was just just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. A loss to the Dolphins 31 to 16, a loss to the Bills that probably should have been a win, 14 to 9. A win against the Commanders 14 to 7, a very very ugly football game. And then a 13 to 10 loss to the Jets, which also should have been a win. So Looking at the upcoming schedule for the Giants, at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, they got the Raiders, then AT&T, they got the Cowboys, and at FedEx Field, got the Commanders, home game against the Patriots by week, then a home game against the Packers, uh, in New Orleans against the Saints, in Philly against the Eagles, in MetLife against the Rams, and then in MetLife against the Eagles to end the season. So as the way I see it, maybe this team gets four or five more wins. You know, those wins come against maybe the Raiders, maybe another win against the Commanders, because historically the past couple seasons the Commanders haven't really beat the Giants that many times. I mean, there's been a couple wins that they've gotten here and there, but I think Daniel Jones has like a what, 6-1, and 5-2, and two, something like that record against the Commanders. Uh, the Packers The Patriots game, I could see being a win. The Patriots haven't looked that good. But, I mean, I think that game could go either way. But I figure a lot of these games could go either way, except for the Cowboys and Eagles games. I don't think we have a chance in those. I could see the Packers game being a win. The Saints game could go either way, honestly. But I feel like the Saints will probably end up winning that one. The Eagles is definitely going to be a loss. Let's just hope it's not by 50 The Rams could be a win, could be a loss. You really don't know until you play. And then the Eagles game will probably be a loss as well. So, what does this team do in the offseason? So, really, what I think right now is Daniel Jones is just honestly playing to see if he's the quarterback of the future again. And I hate to say that because I've been Daniel Jones' biggest defender, honestly, throughout his entire career. You know, I defended him being taken at six, I still do think that he would have been there later. But I defended that decision to take him there at six. You know, I've defended him turning the ball over. I've defended last year's season where he actually looked really good. You know, even though he only had 15 passing touchdowns. But he added, I think, six rushing touchdowns. So 21 total plus six interceptions. Like, I think three fumbles. So... I would say, you know, last year was a good year for them. The stats don't pop out to you, but I do think the Giants would not have won nine games, the nine games they won last year. Or was it ten? Yeah, the ten games they won last year if Daniel Jones is not a quarterback. You know, if Tyrod plays, maybe they win six, maybe we win six or seven, but I feel like it's just its just hard to say that. But I do think that Daniel Jones... Was the better quarterback last year? He was a, you know, I would say a top twenty quarterback last year. Now I, I can't really, I can't really say that, but I know he's playing behind what might be, what might be the worst offensive line in football. Um, he just has no time to throw. He, there was a game he was sacked eleven times. It, and you're looking at it. Looking at the linemen, you have Ben Bredesen, Mark Lewinsky, Sean Harlow, Marcus McKeithen, Joshua Miles, Evan Neal, Tyree Phillips, Justin Pugh, John Michael Schmitz, and Andrew Thomas. Out of all those names, there might be three people that I would say are decent to good. Andrew Thomas is great. John Michael Schmitz, in the game that he's played, he's been good. Justin Pugh, he's been serviceable. He's been serviceable. Welcome back, Justin Pugh. I'm glad that you're back. Um... And there's been, like – I think he's injured right now. I think Joshua Zidu has had some good moments, but he's – I wouldn't say he's good. Uh, and then Saquon, you know, he's had his injury. And a lot of people were like, oh, why won't the Giants re-sign Saquon? Why, don't, why won't Saquon get the bag that he wants? I mean, I mean honestly, we – I believe Joe Shane offered him, what, $13, 14000000 a year, but he didn't want it because I think he wanted, you know, upwards of what McCaffrey's making. So looking at a guy who has, and I love Saquon, don't get me wrong, but looking at a guy who's been injured every single year since his r- rookie year almost, it feels like, it's just like you can't give him that much money because, look, he's missed, what, three games this season already? And, you know, I, I hate – that he's always hurt all the time, and I know he wants to play. I know the type of player Saquon is, and I wish he was playing. But, you know, for a guy that goes out there and misses that many games, it's just it's just kind of frustrating, especially when him and Daniel Jones are the crush of your entire offense. Like, without those two players, this team probably wouldn't have a single win, if we're being honest. Sterling Shepard is another guy that, you know, I hate – I hate to say this, man, because at one point he was probably my favorite slot receiver in the league on the, 20, uh, the 2016 team, 2017 team, you know, with Odell. I really liked him and Odell together, but he just doesn't look good anymore. And I think it's because of all the injuries. And I just, I'm glad that they kept him, though. Shep has been one of my favorite Giants throughout the years. I just hate that, you know, he's not the player that he was four seasons ago. Uh, but now let's talk Let's talk about some good stuff that the Giants have been doing. And the good thing, really, really good thing, is the Giants' defense. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, Dexter Lawrence is probably the best defensive tackle in football at this point. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau has really, really come into his own the past couple of games. You know, a lot of people were criticizing him for starting off slow. And, I mean, he started off slow last year. It took him a couple games before he's like, okay, I can do this every play if I really wanted to. But three sacks in the game against the Jets, eight and a half total. I believe he's tied for third in most sacks so far. I think he's only behind Miles Garrett and Nick Bosa. I could be mistaken. Um, Deontay Banks has been probably the best rookie cornerback besides um Devin Witherspoon and Christian Gonzalez, who unfortunately has been hurt. Uh Troy. Trey Hawkins, the third has had some good moments as well. Uh, Bobby Okereke, you know, he like I said, started off slow, but the past couple games, him, he's looked pretty good. Micah McFadden out of uh, Indiana, he's looked pretty good as well. And Isaiah Simmons, it, it like I said, when you're in a Wink-Martindale system, you'll start off a little bit slow just to get used to it because Wink likes to do a lot of different things. But once you get used to the system, once he finds your role, once he finds what you're going to do, you look great, you know. And Xavier McKinney has also looked pretty good, too. I don't want to forget about him. You know, I really, really like that pick Um, when Gettleman drafted him. And he's looked really, really good since um, being in the Swing Martindale system. And, you know, Darren Waller's been pretty good when he's been healthy. And I also like Darren uh, Daniel Bellinger. Uh, honestly, Darren Waller has been our best receiver this entire season to go back to offense. Uh, he's been our best receiver this entire season. I just hate that he isn't going to be healthy when Daniel Jones comes back. Uh, but you know, what, what do the giants do? Honestly, like I said, I think they will win four or five more games and probably I hope What the Giants do is try and go out and get that, you know, game breaking receiver or like a game breaking offensive player just to give Daniel Jones some more weapons to work with. Because I mean, outside of Saquon, Jalen Hyatt, Darren Waller, and Slayton, I don't really trust anybody on the offensive side of the ball on this team, really. I mean, Hodgins will have his moments, Wandell will have his moments. And Paris Campbell hasn't really done a damn thing. But I would say Matt has looked decent. Eric Gray, the running back out of Alabama they drafted, has looked decent. Gary Brightwell has looked decent, but those guys are both hurt. So I hope that the Giants, you know, restock on offensive linemen. Maybe they try to sign some this in this free agency. I'm not really sure who's a free agent this year. We'll look at that more. Uh, Once we get closer to it, maybe there's a guy that can help them or maybe they draft some guys. But I I do think stacking up the offensive side of the ball should be the Giants main priority, not just in the draft, but in the offseason as well. Maybe they can sign a Mike Evans or maybe, you know, somebody like that that can just help the team. But uh, that's all I really have for the Giants for now. You know, it's just been a disappointing season all around. You know, a lot of people expected a lot more. I, 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 for one, expected a lot more from the Giants. And, you know, as the season progresses, I think once Daniel Jones comes back and once Saquon's healthy and once Andrew Thomas comes back, the team will look better. But, you know, just right now the team's in disarray. And notice how I did not talk about the Jets game where Tommy DeVito played and did not complete a single pass. And Tyrod completed one pass. I'm not talking about that because I don't want to yell about this podcast on this podcast just yet. But, you know, that's all I really have for today. Um, what I wanted to off today with is just, you know, sports, you know, um, sports are just so intriguing. You know, it's just how... It's just so intriguing how one groups of people can just come to be so passionate about one one thing, I and mean, we can all come together and be passionate about that one thing. But you know that little sweet spot, my favorite time of the year, is that little sweet spot where baseball's on, basketball's on, and football's on. On now, baseball's of course is wrapping up by then, but that little like one one two week period where all three are on, it's just chef's kiss, chef's kiss. And congratulations to the Texas Rangers for winning the World Series. Um, before the season, I'm going to do like a four or five-minute baseball talk really quickly. Maybe three minutes. For the season, you know, I picked the Braves to win because, of course, I'm a Braves fan. Of course, I'm going to pick my team to win. And, you know, through – you watched, like, if you just watched the regular season Braves, you were like, okay, yeah, this is the World Series team. Nobody's being this team. And just to get embarrassed like that by the Phillies was just – it was heart-crushing. It was really heart-crushing, but, you know, the Phillies just looked like the better team. And they ended up losing to the Diamondbacks, which was very, very surprising to me. I did not expect the Phillies to lose to the Diamondbacks. But, you know, you could just tell the Diamondbacks had no business being there. They're still a relatively young team. I mean, Corbin Carroll is a rookie. He'll... You know, in about maybe two or three years' time, I could definitely see the Diamondbacks being back in the World Series and being like, "Okay, we're here now. We're here now. This is this is our this is our stuff." But you know, hopefully in the off season, I do want the Braves to retool. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure if Ozuna will be there much longer. I do think the core of Ozzy, Acuna, Riley, and Olson should stay. Um, I'm not so sure about Sean Murphy. He went pretty cold in that series against the Phillies. Travis Darnell, maybe he replaces him. I'm not really sure. Maybe we call up Yvonne Grissom. I'm I'm not really sure what the what the Braves do in the off season. Maybe they try to make a splash and trade for a guy. Maybe they. I'm not. This is like a fantasy of mine I've had for a while. Maybe they sign Shohei. But they would have to trade so much just to free up that cap space. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, that was my, what was that, like three minutes, two, two minutes baseball talk. I know I said five, but that's all I really have. Um, I'll be back with another episode probably on Tuesday. Hopefully. I'm not sure if that's a promise or not. We're going to try. I know I said two a week. But like I said, we're still going to try and do two a week, maybe like Tuesday and Thursday or something like that. It just depends what's going on in the sports world. But I'm going to try and get you guys two episodes a week. We'll get a set schedule one day. But we're gonna try. I'm just going to try and get these episodes out as I can. So that'll do it for episode two of the Pursuit of Swords podcast, everybody. Uh, peace out and have a nice day. And I will talk to you guys next week.